The reading is from Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 20, and can be found on page 1115 of the Church Bibles. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Paul in Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the, name of the, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you very much for the invitation to come and share with you. It's a great pleasure, and Mary and I have been looking forward to it and praying, and uh, yeah, uh, really appreciate the warmth of the welcome and the sense of God's spirit as we've gathered together and worshipped. And we look forward too to the time afterwards when we can have all sorts of questions and discussion. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it's just 20 verses from the amazing adventure of your gospel spreading throughout the known world after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And how you injected into that city in Ephesus that was at the center of that province just a small handful of those carrying the life of Jesus with them. And what followed was by no means straightforward. Advances and setbacks, but Lord, you expressed your kingdom in power and brought transformation of that whole region. And Father, we thank you that the gospel that we read about in this passage of the Lord Jesus died and risen and his spirit poured out among us is the same today. And so, Lord, we just pray that as I uh, share from your word that your Holy Spirit will be speaking. Be sovereign, Lord, I pray. We've sung of the splendor of the King. How great is our God. So, King Jesus, be Lord here and express your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get into the passage, I think it's important, uh, I think it was uh, way back in our training uh, when being taught about giving sermons uh, that we were told it should always be good news. And so I want to start with good news, the good news of Jesus. And as we saw in the passage and as I've just prayed, the gospel of Jesus brings transformation, transformation to individual lives but also transformation to whole communities. It's the good news of the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And its central outcome is disciples. And you could say that we just took a snapshot from what's often called the Acts of the Apostles, but probably better called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit takes hold of those that have received Jesus and empowers them and equips them and sends them on all sorts of adventures to make the message of Jesus known and to spread the kingdom. So the central outcome is to form disciples, lives shaped by the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, again as we see in this passage, those disciples 
their main function is to make other disciples. To be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. That's the calling. We're all the called ones. So as we uh, are focused this morning, as Nico was just sharing, on a new chapter for the church here at St. Paul's uh, in partnership with St. Barnabas to see new mission frontiers moving out. Um, And so I'm praying that different ones will hear God's spirit this morning as in the weeks to come. God will speak to different ones about the role that he's calling to. But I would want to make it very clear that at times like this, it's a time for all of us to say, uh, God, I'm just coming before you afresh and you need to just speak again your call on my life. There's a calling to go for some, but there's a calling for the rest to stay. And that may mean to stay with new roles and fill gaps uh, from those that have been called uh, to be more involved in partnering with St. Barnabas. So it's a morning when we all need to be listening to the Spirit. Lord, what's your calling for me at this special time? So I hope you hear that, even though we're uh, focusing particularly on uh, an exciting adventure and challenge that's being opened up by partnering with St. Barnabas. Now, a bit of personal story. Uh, So why have Bob and Mary been invited for me to preach and then for us to be part of answering questions afterwards? So a little bit of personal uh, introduction. Uh, Now, uh, you can tell we're not that young, so the story could be long, but I'm aware that uh, (laughs) the scripture is where we mainly need to go to. But just to say, so... uh, I became a follower of Jesus at the end of my 20s, having been an atheist through the rest of my 20s. And thanks to some wonderful uh, works of God that happened in our local parish church and through uh, members of my family and then my wife Mary, who uh, found Jesus before I did, um, yeah, uh, God knew how to get through uh, to my, uh, as I thought, impregnable uh, defense Uh, as an atheist God knew how to get through and to change my heart and to bring me into relationship with the Lord Jesus and uh, one of the things was Mary and I had had a broken marriage for about eight years before that and so we are constantly thankful not just that God has made each of us new people but that he has healed and restored our marriage which we are still enjoying together so yes And he called us into ministry and mission. And for 10 years that uh, we we had, by the way, been living in Brazil before that. And uh, I used to laugh at the Brazilians who were planting churches everywhere. Uh, And as the atheist, I used to say, don't they know God's dead? Why are they wasting their time? Um, But uh, uh, that background God used to challenge us as we became followers of Jesus and recognized that... uh, what I'd been observing was a lot more dynamic in the church in Brazil than I observed when we then came back to faith and joined our local church. And so our call was then to be missionaries to to England and that that was quite rare back then, 40-something years ago. Uh, But now, fortunately, we're all aware that the calling everywhere is to be a missionary church and a missionary people. We are all 
sent ones. And the door that opened for Mary and I, as it happened, uh, after 10 years of serving in Christchurch Chorleywood, uh, was actually to move quite away. We're talking here about moving down the road to Epsom but as, and getting involved there. Um, as it happened, the door that Mary opened, uh, God opened for Mary and I was to go to Merseyside uh, and to the 10th most deprived parish uh, in, in that diocese. And uh, what began there was an amazing, amazing adventure of uh, discovering God's presence there and seeing uh, the revitalization of a parish. So the pattern, although we moved further, the pattern was very similar to what is being explored. The, the, the remnant congregation in the parish of Holy Trinity Palm Mount, where we went very similar to the, para, uh, to the congregation at St. Barnabas, and God took a team of seven of us, as it happened at that time, and uh, uh, we moved there. And probably the 14 years we spent there, I would say, is the most exciting time of our Christian life. So as some of you are thinking, is this me, Lord? Uh, I would just say, if God calls you, it's not just an incredible privilege, but an incredible adventure that he's calling you on. So... Now to scripture. And I want to start often in uh, Anglican churches. We have uh, 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 a gospel reading and then a reading from Epistle or Acts. And I want to just start uh, with a very short, probably uh, Jesus' shortest parable. Because it perfectly gives us Jesus' vision of what we've seen from the reading worked out through the early disciples in Ephesus in the book of Acts. And uh, the, this very short uh, parable of Jesus is in Matthew uh, chapter 13 and it's verse 33. And it goes like this. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. As I say, a very short parable, just one verse. Now, there are some things, lots of things in the Bible that we need a bit of local knowledge to understand and get the full impact. And uh, there's a couple of things there that we need to understand. One is it's helpful if you're a home baker and that you know about baking bread. Uh, and the second uh, is uh, what is only in the footnote of the version I read, which is the amount of flour that the woman took. I don't know if anybody happened to flick their eyes down to look at the footnote, but if you look in the footnote, she took 22 liters of flour or 30 kilos because the original quantity is there in, in the Hebrew measure. So this woman was either baking for a whole year or she was baking for a party to invite the whole town. So this would have had, like many of Jesus' parables, an incredible impact. Many of his parables had a surprise detail that was like a hammer that hit home the central truth. So the central truth in this parable is that the gospel, you can't 
outdo the gospel. However much you give to the gospel, it can grow and move through and bring transformation to whatever context and however wide that is, which is the same for a tiny bit of yeast, tiny bit of yeast that you mix into, which bakers will know all about, which is able to grow and spread through however large, even this 22 liters, this 30 kilos. So in terms of the, the challenge that God has given, right here, as I said, we have to start with good news. The good news is the gospel is what brings transformation. We may be called, we may be agents of the gospel, but it's the gospel that is able to bring transformation to individuals and transformation to communities. And so as we look both at the mission field here around St. Paul's, but also in partnering with St. Barnabas, it needs to start with confidence in the gospel. And so basically that parable is, as I say, the background to everything that we saw in that amazing reading about how this leaven, this yeast of the kingdom, came to this major city in the first century world and brought transformation to that city. That's the power of the gospel, the leaven, the yeast of the gospel being worked out through gospel agents being called to that place and then being obedient, following the lead of the Spirit and seeing a whole movement of God's Spirit bringing transformation. And I think Nico said in his introduction, you didn't know exactly the answer to every bit of the journey and there will be challenges, there will be uh, joys and setbacks. And there are certainly joys and setbacks in the 20 verses that we read. All sorts of things that seemed as though this is not the way we hoped it was going to go. But as you read through the story, the power of the gospel continues to move and to bring transformation. I want to focus on two particular verses in our passage. Oh, and I meant to bring my clicker up, Mary. So, oh, there we go completely forgotten I'm really sorry we're meant to have there we are sorry about that here we go so you've had the personal story and uh, yes so uh, and we've had Matthew 13 33 and uh, we're now going to look at Acts uh, and these these verses Acts 19 verse 20 the final verse of what we read says, in this way, the word of the Lord increased and spread. So it summarizes everything that we'd read through those 20 verses. In this way, that's how it happened. Through the narrative that we've just read, the word of the Lord increased and spread. It's an outcome summary of kingdom mission working out in Ephesus. So, if we go back to a previous summary verse in Acts 19 verse 10, it gives us the how. That's the summary, fantastic. The word of the Lord increased and spread uh, was what the outcome was. Well, how did it happen? Acts 19 verse 10 is then another summary verse. And it gives us the how. It says, this went on 
for two years so that, so that what? So that all the Jews and Greeks in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. What we see through this uh, whole story that we've looked at is not an incredibly encouraging story, as I've said, of the power of the gospel to transform individuals and to transform communities. But we also see a strategy as to how that works. All the Jews and Greeks in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. There's a biblical mission strategy which is all about resourcing centers that are connected to networked communities beyond. And we can see that, I think, it's not exactly specified word for word in the text, but if we again read, Ephesus gives the detail of how that resourcing center affected the whole province. Because just uh, there in Acts 19 verse 10, uh, just before, it gives us the detail. And the hall of Tyrannus as the key principle. It says they met daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And then it says in this way the whole of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Well, uh, they didn't have transport like we have now. But even if we had transport like we have now, the whole of Asia in two years would struggle to fit in the hall of Tyrannus. So my interpretation of that key verse of saying how did this amazing gospel mission disperse and transform the area is not that everybody came into the Hall of Tyrannus, but the Hall of Tyrannus was a resourcing center where there was a powerful presence of the gospel and disciples went out from that place and were the yeast, the leaven of the kingdom that brought transformation to the whole of the province of Asia. There is a gathering and ascending, and you can read that right the way through the whole narrative of the book of Acts. There's a gathering and ascending. There's a rhythm of the strategy of mission. And that's how we can see it working out in this story. So I can't read it up there, so it's bad that I have to keep looking behind me. But the point I now want to make is that one of those summary verses, the one at the end, in this way, the word of the Lord increased and spread. It's important to note that that verse, exact verse, appears three times through the book of Acts. And you have to put yourself back into the time when the Bible was written. When the Bible was written, there were no chapters and verses. I believe some strange middle-aged guy, when he was riding a horse across Italy, stuck in all the chapters and verses. So they're not inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so what gives us the structure is one of the things that gives the structure as we read, and we often don't get it if we just read a short passage, is that there are summary verses. Again, Matthew, the structure of the book of Matthew you can find because there are certain repeated summary verses through the book of Matthew. And it's the same here in the book of Acts. There are summary verses that give you the structure. They're like chapter headings. And Acts 6 verse 7 is the first. And it says exactly the same. In this way, the word of the Lord increased and spread. And it comes at exactly, the, they're not only summary verses, but they come at key points in the development of the narrative. 
Acts 6 verse 7 comes at the end of the narrative of the planting of the Jerusalem church and then the spreading out from the Jerusalem church to Judea, Galilee and Samaria. So the gathering and the spreading, the rhythm of the gathering. In this way, the word of the Lord increased and spread. And interestingly, when uh, you have to uh, read the text there, Acts 6 verse 7, that gives you the pattern. But what was the trigger that moved from a phase uh, of gathering to a phase of spreading? And if you read the, the story, it was actually persecution in Jerusalem. They were having such a glory time that the text actually says, around Acts 6 verse 7, that they were bringing all the sick and all the needy from all the towns and villages around Jerusalem into Jerusalem to experience the kingdom power that everybody was becoming aware of there. So it was a gathering in before persecution it took, before they actually realized that Jesus has said to them, his last words, you will be my witnesses in Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But they had to come in from Judea and Samaria to Jerusalem because they hadn't got the message yet that actually the strength of the gathering was intended to be also a rhythm of releasing. So within the kingdom gospel, there is this rhythm of gathering and sending. And that should underlie the whole understanding of the phase that you are in here now at St. Paul's and St. Barnabas. And uh, the second, Acts 12 verse 24, what was the trigger that actually got them moving from the amazing glory time, again, wonderful stories of how the kingdom was expressing itself in Antioch. That was the second major center where the narrative is all about the concentration, all about the power of what God was doing. And there we're told, Acts 13 verse one, that there were various prophets there who gathered them together and they had a time of seeking the Lord and a prophetic word came, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, to the work that I've called them. And they laid hands on them and sent them out. And John Mark gathered with them and they went out to do the spreading, which then the whole narrative then focused on the spreading out from Antioch. So the whole arrangement of the narrative of how the uh, ancient uh, world was, re was evangelized by the amazing disciples making disciples uh, gives us this rhythm and the Holy Spirit again they were having a glory time it took the Holy Spirit to challenge them it's now time uh, for some of you to move out in Ephesus where we have this third repeated summary verse um, Acts 19 verse 20 in this way the word of the Lord increased and spread. Well, whereas it was in this way persecution in Jerusalem, in this way through a prophetic word in Antioch, in Ephesus, my interpretation is it was in this way in the hall of Tyrannus. They didn't need persecution and they didn't need a prophetic word. They knew if God gave you strength, it was always to those that's given as much shall be required. If we're given a lot, it's to give it away. And so they had understood that, and so they mobilized out of the Hall of Tyrannus, recognizing that the strength they'd given, been given was to be the transformation of everything around. So 
here we go. I'm not to, here's a, an illustration of what I've just described. So that's how I picture it with the concentric circles illustrating the concentration. First around Jerusalem and Acts 6 verse 7 there, and then around Antioch, Acts 12 verse 24, the shift from the gathering to the spreading, and then in Acts 19 verse 20 in the passage we've just read, again, shifting from uh, the gathering to the spreading. And so you're in uh, a perfectly biblical phase here of God saying, okay, we've, we've, we've had a, there's a gathering, but there will also be a sending and a sharing with areas around. And it'll be each of those phases will be part of it. I want to just also touch on the mission resources which we see in this passage. Our scripture empowers us that there are sent ones. The Holy Spirit releases callings. And those callings become Holy Spirit forming teams. Again, there's amazing detail through the book of Acts. And if we'd read just beyond uh, chapter uh, 19, verse 20, uh, we would have seen lots. I've already referred to Acts 13, verse 1, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work I've called them to. Hearing the voice of God's Spirit is the key both to understanding his rhythm and to recognizing what are the callings that God has to resource this mission rhythm. Let's just take a moment of quiet. Father, your word wonderfully gives us a picture that just quickens faith that, Lord, you are able to do more than we could ask or imagine as you spread your gospel through communities around. You've done it before, you can do it again. First of all, Lord, be speaking to our hearts and quickening faith for a new move of your spirit to extend the life of St. Paul's and St. Barnabas and to see many lives touched and changed and set free. And Father, as you kindle faith that that's what you're wanting to do, we also pray you'll speak specific words specific words to individuals that are going to have some of their ministry in reinvigorating St. Barnabas, but also others that are going to have new callings to fill gaps and to be part of new initiatives here at St. Paul's. Speak, Lord, we pray. So, I just repeat again, there's the rhythm of the coming and the going. And uh, maintaining connection, and so grafting is a word we've used a lot, revitalization. But if we're going to stay part of a family of congregations, then grafting is quite a, ha a helpful word because you all stay part of the same stream of life. 
but that stream of life uh, being uh, involved in uh, more than one expression. So, as well as uh, sharing uh, some inspiration for the Bible, um, we were asked to share some stories. So, I'm going to share now, just concluding this message, with some stories that we've observed over the years. And I think it's important to start. The, the best model in our understanding of what uh, Nico has laid out for you about becoming a family of congregations uh, would be actually in the Middle Ages, somewhere in the second half of the first millennium, when uh, the UK was re-evangelized through minsters. And many, you can see Southern Minister, Minster, there are still names around Westminster that actually uh, reflect that history. The minsters were strong centers, but then out of the minsters, mission was always seen as re-evangelizing or evangelizing the neighborhood around. And they were planting what initially were friary houses where they'd send a few friars, and those friary houses would become the nucleus of what then become uh, families uh, of uh, followers of Jesus. And so that's uh, something that you can look back to as to the model that Nico was explaining is very much uh, part of that history that God used uh, uh, back centuries ago to re-evangelize the whole of this nation. And so, uh, it, it's in a, in a good line uh, in the background. Moving on from uh, there, uh, we could take uh, an example. This is a, an example uh, there of what it might have looked like with a minster and a whole range of friary houses around. In the 1800s and 1900s, there was a similar pattern, but it went under the name of daughter church movement. And so again, if you research lots of parishes around, they were actually formed through a daughter, mother and daughter staying in relationship and being part of a family of congregations through the 18th and 19th century as the population grew and new populations needed reaching with the gospel. And so uh, we can see the same pattern that God is calling you to embark upon here uh, going right through our, our history back then. Coming more recently, I would say that in the 1970s, there was probably a, an amazing forerunner. It was actually, interestingly again, uh, Patrick Blair, an Anglican minister who had been a missionary in Brazil and had seen some of the things God was doing there, who came back to the UK to uh, Chester Street in the north of England, a parish... Uh, are we, are we there? Yes, a forerunner. So, Chesterler Street, a parish, St. Mary's and St. Cuthbert's, of 25,000 people. And that became a resourcing centre that multiplied into six linked congregations in mission. And so, there, some of the names of them are up there. Uh, it's uh, written up uh, in, in a book that's probably out of print now. But um, so, that was a, a real forerunner that marked. Uh, the way that has now been replicated many times over. And so from the 2000s onwards, there's been a whole movement. 
The next one I would choose that we're uh, well linked to and have been involved with is actually the Fountain of Life in a village called Ashill in Norwich. And I choose, in, in Norfolk, sorry, in Norfolk. Yeah, Norwich is the capital city of Norwich, sorry. So yes, Ashill in Norfolk. And I choose this not just because it was one of the early forerunners back in uh, uh, the, the 2000s, but because it's in a village of 2,000 population. So it's the last place you would think that God would set up a minster resource church that has now impacted all sorts of places and formed a family of congregations. But God did such a powerful work of the Holy Spirit in Ashill that they have now, they, 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 a bit like this building, they took over what was a, a, a mechanics workshop, a car mechanics workshop, and have turned it into a wonderful resourcing center that is resourcing teams across Norfolk. And so again, uh, a picture there of what God's been doing. Another story, I was asked to share stories to say that this is not something completely new, this has been happening, and several of these places say if you want to get in touch, if you want to go visit, if you want to learn lessons together, they would be happy to share with you. So, then uh, the next one uh, is uh, Christchurch Bridlington uh, on the Yorkshire coast. And so there again, you've got the original Minster Church, but now a family of congregations that are all working together in partnership and bringing this kingdom transformation of individual lives and of local communities as we saw through the book of Acts. And so there's a whole movement. I'm just picking a few. I've got a few more that we can share when we get to the Q&A afterwards over lunch. But uh, yeah, so all sorts of different stories, revitalizing and forming families of congregations. So, application, St. Paul's, Howell Hill, and St. Barnabas Epson. One of the wonderful things that I think the document that you've been given out today shows, the door is wide open, and in terms of a possibility for the sort of model of family of congregations that I've been explaining, it's absolutely got everything going for it. And so, a classic opportunity And so the question is, the door's wide open, who is God calling to form the team? And could it be you? Let's stand and pray. Father, I thank you for your word that fills us with faith and hope in what you've done before in the most amazing way, starting from small, tiny beginnings. You spread your word through the known world in the first centuries with the transforming power of the life of Jesus, touching individuals, birthing communities, transforming neighborhoods and societies. And Lord, you're you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus, just be Lord of your church, I pray. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to be speaking to individuals here this morning. And as I said at the beginning, everyone should be open to a word of calling. Calling to... 
go and partner somewhere else on a whole range of different patterns that Nico has explained, or callings to stay. It's important to hear a confirmed calling to stay as to hear callings to go and to partner with new things. So far, Holy Spirit, come. As you've inspired us with your word, now inspire us with your specific word to each individual here.